0: At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna-bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com business service directory a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gontrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today.
1: Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Reginald Stanfield. He's the CEO and head horticulturist of Massachusetts-based Just Incredible Cultivation, the first minority-owned general business applicant to open a cultivation facility on the East Coast. How are you doing this afternoon? and reginald
2: i'm doing amazing man i've been looking forward to this conversation happy to be here me too man you know i I, i've i've seen you seen a couple of interviews
1: with you i've been watching your twitter uh and uh you know i'm I'm real excited to to pick your brain and and get a little bit about your experience in this space you have this super unique story and i want to talk first about that your background uh how you ended up in the cannabis space and and you know i i had read that that you'd actually slept in your
2: rv at one point (laughs) um you know so so tell me the whole story man so I'm gonna make it as short as possible. Uh, 2012, I was working for this great company called Ivan Watson Associates underneath this great boss called Janelle, um, and she taught me a lot of what I do now, what I practice. But being the ambitious person I am, I didn't like constantly signing their names. You know, it wasn't. I would spend six, seven hours doing something, and it's Janelle or it's Ivan, and I didn't, I didn't like that. So. I started bartending. Had a girlfriend that wanted me to do it. Long story short, I, I did an event for this small company. I hated what they did. I was on a phone call with my, you know, one of my best friends in life, and I'm talking to him. And I'm like, "Hey, man, da da da." And he's like, "Well, why don't you do it yourself?" So I was like, "Fine, you know, help me, you know, help me do this." And we came up with the name Masters of Mixology. He came up with the logo, and I started doing it myself. And then I got addicted to like the thrill of having the challenge to bring people what they want. Um, That led to me taking what I, you know, graduated, which is an accounting finance degree, which I did most business classes, to building company structures. And I had people message me, hey, I see that you run this business. Can you help me with this? How do you do that? And I was like, you know, well, I might as well start a management company, me and him. We started a management company. He's a creative design. I'm the business structure. Neither one of us are organized at all. So, you know, we added our our, our Shiro, our boss lady, Shatoya, to come bring some structure to us. Um, and at that time, I had a friend of mine who was, uh, you know, I don't like to say bully because you can't really bully me, but he was somebody who we weren't friends in high school. And then we became like brothers like our last year. And he quit his job. He's like, I'm miserable you know, I want to just come do what you do. So he, he joined with me and then from that point we launched Modern Monopoly Management, which led to us building businesses all across the United States from Just Incredible Weddings to uh, Just Incredible Installs to supporting brands like Infusions and HBCU Traveler. We just, we built our own structure. And one day we were sitting in Texas, you know, something had went crazy with the Houston market, Hurricane Harvey hit killed a lot of people, destroyed the industry. We went to Dallas, Dallas wasn't the same market. I was sitting there, my partner editing videos, you know, hours and hours on edge. And I was like, hey, you know, Maz said they're going recreational. The regulation seems like we can go there, what's up? We we, we shut down three of our businesses and we all moved back home, (laughs) you know, to our parents' house to save as much money as we could. And we just, we did R and D, you know, we drove to Colorado, we drove to Illinois, we drove to, you know, everywhere. We just went, we went to there and like every dispensary, like, hey, how do you guys buy your weed? How do you do this? What's the standard you have? It like, is it cured? How long is it cured for? How long is the drive for? And we got all the information from the butt tenders. We got to see a couple of grows. We got to do all of that. And, um, you know, it, it was cool. I even got arrested for my first time uh, doing that process, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I got arrested in Illinois He's in uh, Effingham. Uh, County, Effingham City got arrested uh, there for marijuana possession for the first time. Uh, you know, I've been doing this forever. Just got arrested for it. So, we we, we we did a Google search because everybody say, how did Justin Credible end up in uh, Cummington? We did a Google search, boom, that was the only property we could afford. And we just decided to go there. So that's how we, you know, we started off. So So tell me about leaving your
1: job as a financial manager to strike out on your own, you know, not just in the cannabis industry, but sort of broadly, what advice can you offer to people who want to pursue their goals, but have stable
2: jobs that, you know, might make them think twice? Um, You gotta know yourself, man. Like, um, it, the same as that things that I, I go through, everybody go through, like I actually brought my dad in to do IT work. I was 21 years old with an office, average age there was 45. So me bringing my dad and him, him seeing me with this and him making money, he's like, you're crazy. I had jokes from parents, had jokes from neighbors, people who, you know, peers are just a little bit older than me making jokes about not having a job. You know, it was hard the only advice I could do is just like, never give up. I, I'm not one of those, you know, entrepreneurs I want to sit there and, and give you that, that speech and any, you know, it's not for everybody. You know, I have, I have the ability, uh, to be extremely uncomfortable for very, very long periods of times. And a lot of people don't have that. So, you're gonna miss the family vacations. You're gonna miss the family reunions. You know, I look back now, I, I'm on this track for eight years. I look back now and I'm not in a lot of photos. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm I'm thinking like, oh, I was there. No, I wasn't there. You know, I'm reliving your memory. So you have to be able to, to be uncomfortable, but know yourself, you know, know what makes you happy, and then does that type of sacrifice of your personal life is that for you? Because if it's not, then you should start your business while you're working and you can have that duality where, you know, your business success can take 20 years to become successful. You know what I mean? As an entrepreneur, if you quit your job, your bill is going to come due once that saving runs out. And it always runs out, you know, two times faster than you expected. So you just have to know yourself, man. You have to know, know what you're doing.
1: I I think that's that's really astute advice. I mean, especially since you've done so many different things, you know, it it seems like uh, uncomfort makes you comfortable to some degree.
2: No, not at all. Like I don't (laughs) I I make it look real easy and I'm not I swear I, I promise to myself I would not be that entrepreneur that comes up here and lies to people. It's no, I'm not. It doesn't make me comfortable. It's very uncomfortable. I just have a I have people who believe in me. You know what I mean? And I told them, I have people who quit their stable jobs, who who gave us their money, and I owe them not to quit. You know what I mean? And we could have been, my company, we could have been successful off of one business. But I was preaching, and we had meetings, and of course arguments because we're all friends, we're all living together. And I'm like, we have to be perfect. Like, there's people out there that can get by and make a lot of money doing what we're doing, but we have to be perfect. You know, we 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 want to be this top company. That's why my name I go by Forbes Next because I want to be number I'm going to be the next person at number one of Forbes. So it's a whole. Mindset, and I told them, standing in Texas, meeting after meeting, somebody's going to give us a million dollars to do one business, and we're going to have one shot. You know, so that's that's how I do. I'm definitely not comfortable being. No, no, I don't want to lie. So, so you know. you were the
1: first um, minority owned general business applicant to get a grow license uh, in the state of Massachusetts and on the East Coast, um, you know, and and I don't know your background. I don't know your history. Yeah. And, and so my first question is, is were you uh, able to potentially get, you know, one of these economic empowerment or social equity grants uh, in Massachusetts? And, and if
2: if you were, why did you choose to take that general applicant route? So they only put out the equity program for like two weeks and then they closed it. So, you know, and I don't want to trash. I'm not going to come up here and trash talk the regulatory process like everybody does, because they're doing something that they don't know how to do. You get what I mean? And you can't just copy and paste Colorado or Illinois because you the law and regulations and bylaws of certain places, they have certain. Uh, nuances that we don't know about. I mean, you know, I'm not a political major. I don't know if this thing could be a conflict to this thing. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's just like growing in my mind. You know, yeah, you can grow in Fox Farm soil and not have any heavy metal tests, but let me grow this one strand and it does. So I don't want to trash talk the regulatory process, but they opened up the, the portal for that for like a month, maybe it was, it was open and closed. Uh, to go out there and have to find somebody who to give away fifty percent of my business to, it just wasn't in it. I couldn't qualify for Massachusetts social equity or economic empowerment coming from a different state and everything. And I think that's what's weird about it. You know, they they now do have a veteran-owned, women-owned, and minority-owned uh, business enterprise type of push through, but they I, they should have known better. You know. They should have known better. <laughs> well, well, they are
1: regulators. Uh, it's hard okay, to okay. tell whether or not they will ever know better. Why cultivation rather uh, than other retail or other sectors? You know, the, the cultivation, from from my understanding, is is really one of the hardest uh, licenses to sort of get—not just get, but to also maintain. So, so why did you choose that route? Uh,
2: because I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Now, just mess. I come from farmers, man, you know, I, my, I don't come, my parents made it and they did, they worked so hard all through my childhood to provide us with a stable family. But we're, we like to call what we're called family poor. You know what I mean? We, we live in a nice neighborhood but we take care of both sides of our family. You know what I mean? we we My parents pay the bills for my grandparents, for people and my family all the way through. So where we're from, they're both from Roxborough, North Carolina, five, 10 miles away from each other. Um, and they, you know, grew up eight to one household and then like four to one household making their money by farming. You know, I grew up in the tobacco field. You know, I remember five years old in the tobacco field on the back of the truck, watching people you know, pluck tobacco, you know, giant worm falling on me, freaking out. Um, you know I mean? L- years later, I'm in a tobacco field swearing I would never do this again. You know what I mean? I grew up with, I grew up with the hog pen, running past the hog pen. You know, if if you're hungry, there is no inside. You go grab a peach or or a plum, or you go grab some fruit, you know, go to the strawberry patch, hit the water hose. You know what I mean? we. That's how I grew up. I didn't grow up with technology or in the city. I grew up on a farm. And I can grow, you know, my mom in Upper Marlboro, if you would see our backyard, we have 25, we have all this fruit stuff, fruit in everywhere, bell peppers, lemon trees. We have everything in a, a suburb backyard. So I grew up touching a plant and, you know, I love growing. I started growing in my closet, you know, seeing my cousins grow and their gorilla grows. Like I've been a part of that. And I, you know, it's easy for me growing even when I'm teaching it you go teaching certain methods and I'm like, ah, you just have to learn how to touch the plant. You know what I mean? And I, I have that feel. So it was natural in my mind uh, to go into an industry also as well. I don't believe retail is going to be the future. You know what I mean? If anything, Blockbuster told us that once Netflix starts knocking you, you should start switching too. you know what I mean? Block, Blockbuster could have switched their, their methods right when they saw Netflix, they could have done the same thing. It could have maybe stayed, but, I think retail with the virus happening with people, you know, Uber Eats, I go to Atlanta, I'm spending money off of Uber Eats. I don't care if it's $20 more than me taking a 15 minute drive, but there's no way I'm going outside if I can get somebody to bring me my food. So I believe that's the, the, the method of the market. We're going to, we're going to go towards delivery. Um, also believe in controlling the textile, you know? Cannabis itself is what we're selling. Even if you're making it into edibles, you know, tinctures, you have to start with me. And I want to be, you know, watching Jeff Bezos and how he did his empire. He started controlling things that made for Amazon success. It wasn't just marketing. It wasn't just, I have the bet. No, I'm going to control distribution. Then I'm going to control the internet, the the services, and then I'm going to control all the products. You know what I mean? So for me, once this blows up, I'm trying to control what everybody else is forgetting about. And that's, you know, I think, if you go West Coast, it's brand, 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 brand. If you go Colorado, it's brand, 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 brand. Well, I get it, you know, so many of us right now, but eventually it's gonna get down to to who does, who cares about the plant most. And that's where I'm I'm you know putting myself at to to maintain.
1: So, I really appreciate you sharing. It's an incredible story, man. You know, I live in a rural location now, you know, but I have access to technology. So sort to of think about, you know, tobacco fields in North Carolina, I mean, it just seems like a world away yeah <laughs> um, so so t- you you've done su- incredible things with raising money. Um, mm-hmm. you your business has raised 1.3 million dollars. Uh, c- can you tell me what you think stood out to investors that led to you successfully raising
2: those funds? Uh, me, I mean, I'll keep it a hundred percent. Like it's me, but I don't want that to come off narcissistic or cocky. Like me, I'm my team. You get what I mean? I have people behind me who are, who, who are going to be just as, as comfortable as I am. And the fact that I go into these meetings and they're doing their work, they don't, they don't want to be seen. You know what I mean? My partners aren't scratching for the limelight. To be honest, I don't, I'm an introvert myself. So, I'm just the one to step forward. And the way we sat down and we think about things, we we go over stuff. We're, we're so positive and we're so people first that we can come in and read a room. You know, I'm sitting there listening to investors. I go into the town of Cumminson. And I, I, my first meeting I go there is uh, the general store dollar pitching to come there as well. And they rip into them. They just go. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to scratch that whole, t- you know, 40,000 square foot facility idea. We're going to have to go small and expand, you know, so we go back and we, we dig into the numbers and I'm like, well, how do we get this here? And what do we do? Well, let's focus on the brand of Just Incredible. We can go as small as possible. So what we did is we shrunk the plan and we made it small. Well, on that news, you know, doing research, a lot of people aren't investing in cannabis as well. So me walking up to you, you don't know me, give me 10 million. Come on. You know, that's different than me saying, Hey, I need 300,000. You know what I mean? I can take 300,000 and turn it into four or 5 million. You know what I mean? So that's what we did. And then, you know, luckily we caught a bigger investor halfway through and he loved just a pitch. Same as that pitch I gave everybody sensible. We're gonna start first, we're gonna get into the market and then we're gonna expand fast. He, you know, he loved it and he, you know, we just built our relationship from there and that's where we, we got the rest of our capital from, you know, we, we raised half friends and family and the other, well, i say the other 800,000 came from, you know, from a one source so
1: so you talk about you know that that you members of your executive team they don't really want the limelight you know yeah. that they're 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 working while you're doing this you said um what do you look for in members uh, of that executive team and and what about the day-to-day employees you know as the ceo what what, what qualities are you looking for in in these people
2: yeah so I, i'm a people what i like to call people over profit ceo so I look for like this, that's a cool question. I've never been asked that question about what do I look for from my C-suite? You know, loyalty is the most important thing. um, And it's what I call maximum effort. It's not just, you know, if if you can't jump 10 feet, I wanna see you pushing your, your squatting as low as possible. You know what I'm saying? thrusting yourself up high as possible. And if you only hit eight, then I can take your eight and make it into somebody somebody else is barely, you know, I can do 10 by just jumping. Because that maximum effort is is what what it takes. It takes, you know, it is not I told my team all the, all the time, it's not really what you do all the hundred times is that one time. All it takes is that one time. And if you're not giving maximum effort, if you're so used to, I can jump 10 feet no matter what, then you're gonna do it and sometimes you're gonna fail. And that one time you fail is the time you jump seven. You get what I mean? And that lowers it too much because we have to be perfect. You know, we have to be 99.9. So I need you to jump that eight every time. You get what I mean? If I go and I pitch to you, hey, I got somebody that can jump eight, 10 every time. No matter what they do, they're gonna jump eight. If you put me, you give everything to me, then I can pitch that. You know, I can sell that to a person. I can't sell, he's a super talented person, but sometimes I I don't know what I get from him. You know, and that's with that person who can jump to ten. He can probably jump to twenty. But when you slack off and you know you take for granted your your talent, I can't use that. So I look for that loyalty and that maximum effort. People who are going to come in and believe in me and say, "I want to give your all." From employees, uh, and it's weird because it's like one of our first times with this grow. The last couple of weeks um, have been dealing with uh, you know lower level employees because it's just been us owners. Um, So. Man, I just want somebody who who cares about the plant and they 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 want to build their future. They don't want somebody to give them a future, you know. it doesn't have to be I'm going to be a millionaire. Like no, I want to I want to pay for a nice comfortable house and I want to grow weed. This is my dream. And if you come to me just like, you know, we have a guy named Dak who came to me and he's like, you know, I really love the plant. I want to learn. That's that's all I need, you know. Maximum, I still need your maximum effort as an employee, you know, for eight hours. And I'm not going to expect you to do ownership, but you know, come in here and show me that you do care about the plan. You know, show me that you do care about. If you sweep floors, show me that you're really great at sweeping floors. Because when I expand, I have 15 people working here. We're going from 15 to 120. You get what I mean? So there's executive manager spots open. So I want to see that. You know what I mean? I'm going to take care of you if you take care of me. Do you do, with these lower level employees do you, are you the one who actually conducts the interviews i i, I no shitoria uh she does an interview cuz I, I don't have a patience for that but i walk in and i have my you know i have my vibe i do and i throw a couple questions out there and i just see how they uh they react you know i like to i, I like to use some uh forty laws of power and you know see how they react to you know this you got this gorgeous woman, you know, short, because she's small. She's toy's like five, four, three, eleven. You know, she's small. <laughs> we had this small person who's smiling. You got this pretty smile, beautiful eyes looking at you. She's this soft voice talking to you. And then here comes six, four walking in the door. And I'm like, hey, yeah. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about this? And I walk out, you know, i walk, I'll be in an interview and I'll just get on the phone and I'll walk out. And then I'm sitting there like, you know, we, we'll we we'll have a conversation later. So I, I I hit a little bit, you know what I mean? I want to, I don't believe in interviewing, you know what I mean? Interviewing is interviewing. It, everybody puts their best foot forward. And nah, I, I, I like to, I like to jab a little bit and, you know, do my own thing with that one. I'm not a HR person. <laughs> Okay. Uh, You, you, you might be the most interesting CEO that
1: I've ever interviewed. Um, (laughs) I'm winning. I'm winning on that one. (laughs) So, so, you know, obviously the last year uh, we've been in the middle of this pandemic, Uh, how'd you manage uh, your cultivation, cultivation business during the pandemic? What were some of the challenges?
2: So, we were almost one of the businesses that were lost um during the, the pandemic. You know, on the day Massachusetts shut down, the cannabis industry was the day we get our license, you know. And like I said, we were sleeping in RVs building the building before we were licensed, uh, doing everything we could do to get this building up and running. You know, we we didn't, like I said, we didn't have an unlimited budget. We didn't get 1.3 million go. We we got 125,000, another 125,000, here goes 25, here's 22. So we got our money in pieces all the way up to the very end, even with our big investor, we had to keep going back to them like, Hey, we need more. they, you know, to be honest, Sunny, you know, great dude. He, he went out and find more investors. So, you know, it's not, I, I have to frame that correctly. It's not like we, we had some money and then we went and got a whopping sum. No, we went and got this group with a great person inside of it who was well connected, who, you know, Hey man, 200,000. And ain't you know, we need, we need another 150. So during the pandemic, we got shut down and that was probably one of the most, oh, it's going to sound so weird. I already feel like I'm eccentric on this interview, but that was one of the most <laughs> proudest moments at the same time it was bittersweet it was like proud and then it hurt because we stayed up for four days and i'm not i'm not over exaggerating because i i say stories and people will think that i'm i'm over exaggerating until they they actually come to the building or something happens but we stayed up for four days I'm, i don't mean you know you work 20 hours and get four hours to sleep i'm talking about 24 and you're still going you know go back to the hotel take a shower get you an hour and come back you know wow. back to the site like you're sleeping you know we had to get to the point where if it's, it has to be three people in the car has to be you know somebody watching the driver you get what I mean? Because you have to be two people watching the driver because that's how exhausted we are. You know, running to go to Home Depot to get yeah. uh, this paint because we have to paint this or patch this hole or this door doesn't have a lock on it. We forgot to replace the lock. You know, we're, so we, it, it was crazy. Four days, everybody on my team. And then it got to the point where I saw, you know, everybody peak. And it was, it was beautiful. You know, it, it's, it's like you get that synergy that ring coming together and it was like, at this point, nobody can give anymore. And I was like, that's this is how I know we're going to be successful because everybody gave like that last little bit you had when you, you know what I mean, when you know you you can't go no more and then you keep going and then they finally hit that. <laughs> that's what I saw. So it was beautiful, but breaking the news to the team was hard. Um, you know what I mean? It, it shocked me to my core. We we had moved the RVs uh, to get ready for the inspection. We were getting them clean just in case, you know, we got shut down because we didn't want to leave them full of food and sitting uh, out in the site. So right when I parked the RV, I'm getting ready to go into the the hotel to switch out uh, to, you know, a nice shirt to get ready for this inspection because I don't know what to to think of. It's like nine o'clock. They're going to be there at 11. And, you know, my phone rings with the inspector and, you know, his name is saved. And I'm like, all right, he's calling me, telling me he's on the way because we we have a really connected relationship. I'm like, hey, Mike, because he won't let me call him Mr. McCarthy. I'm like, hey, Mike. <laughs> he's like, hey, Reginald. And I, and I, I hear it and I'm like, I'm like, maybe he's just gonna postpone it. And he goes and say, I hate to tell you, um, we're gonna to have to indefinitely postpone the inspection. And then at that moment, it's like, you know, I, I almost throw my phone and I just like drop And he's like, I'm sorry, you know, I, I'll let you know when I figure some stuff out. So I ask them, I ask them some questions and we hang up and then everybody, like the people outside are looking at me. And I think it's uh, my cousin, he works for us. He's looking at me and then my business partner, Jonathan, and they're like, what's up? And I'm like, man, they just moved. They just canceled the inspection. And then, you know, everybody goes, I get everybody, I call, I said, like, don't tell nobody, call them down to the lobby of the hotel. So then I call everybody to the lobby of the hotel. But... Justin being a rock star, he is, he's at the building, you know, for the fourth day. He's the one who stood behind making sure um, we're getting our CEO that morning. (laughs) We're getting the the building. So we have the building inspector, fire chief, electrical inspector um, there. The internet went out and you need the internet to do the, the CCC inspection. So we have the internet dude on the roof. So he's there handling all of this. And I'm trying to call him like he's not picking up. So I, you know, I wait. I just break it to everybody, and then you know, what I mean, of course, people will move the tears. And these are people I don't really see cry that often. Um, and I was like, you know, y'all, y'all go ahead, chill out here. I'm gonna go ahead and go back and get tea until him was up. So I go back, and then he calls me. He's like, "Yo, we got the co. The internet's working. We're ready for the inspection." And I'm like, "I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna talk to you when I get there." And I tell him when I get there, and then he's, you know he just he 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 takes it in and um doesn't allow me to see him you know react to it um you know because he has to come next to me and become the leader for the rest of everybody else so we you know we get we get back together and i go buy bottles you know what i mean we going to go buy some bottles we go get some bottles and uh they stayed up and enjoy the bottles i was there <laughs> I tried my best to, but I just went to sleep. You know, I, I kind of passed out, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't take it in, you know, I had, cause I, I take in everybody's energy. So I felt all this, I, took, I feel like I absorbed all the sadness and all that for them. And I went to sleep and they stayed up, you know, right next to me party and had, you know, a good drink on. And then we just went home, everybody went home and waited. So that, that was, you know, <laughs> that was crazy. Sorry, I know it took so long, but you know, eventually we got the call uh, July 11th, July 11th, we went back up, uh, we did the inspection, we passed the inspection. Um, we then, then we had to do another one for a final. We did on the eighth, uh, they put us up on the agenda. And then I noticed after my research, nobody has made the agenda that has been declined. So I'm sitting there like, Oh, and they're like, it's going to be virtual. So we're on the phone and we're driving and we're all in Massachusetts, like, Hey, and then we get the call like, boom, you guys are ready to go. You can start growing, you know what I mean? and it, it then then it's just crazy because then now we're out of money. So we have to raise more money. Um we have to learn how to do this with just us because we were gonna add some people, but I have terrible asthma. I actually uh, had to be resuscitated in 2018. I was on life support for like five days, uh yeah, I died for like five minutes. And luckily, you know, I was you know, I was actually my parents' mate got me to the ER. Um in time. I know she didn't bring this up, but they got me there in time to resuscitate me. Uh, I was on the, I was dead on the the pavement at ER, Was you know, pulling up and they got me, bring, brought me back and I was gone for five minutes, um, but I have terrible asthma. So there's no, you know, there was no playing around for me when it came to COVID. So we all went home. And we we quarantined, you know. I think we all needed it. You know what I mean, we we spent. I think we all spent the three months. Literally, we were maybe the only people in America who actually stayed home. <laughs> and in like we were in the house, so it was a challenge, you know. Even still now, hiring people is a challenge with you know COVID. You're gonna grow. You're already hot you're already, you know, moving around sweaty. Now you have a mask on and you got, already have your PPE, you're gloved up. So I know people say that there's no oxygen change with masks, but I'm sorry, it's different. You know, it's it's a different thing. It makes you hotter, it makes your breath humid. And it just, it's discomforting. So now having to enforce that where all of the owners, we live, you know, we live literally in close proximity. We either stay in the same apartment, Or we're right. We ride together and work, so we don't have to follow. We don't have to have no mask on while it's just us. But adding more and more people, now everybody has to follow it. So it's tough, man. People are losing their businesses, and then at the end of the time, only big businesses get the grace of COVID. You know, they get to learn how to operate with COVID. Small businesses, we have to be perfect. You know, I know that was a lot. Apologies. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's a very interesting. I mean,
1: you were trying to get a license when when they shut it down, and ultimately they ended up declaring cannabis an essential business.
2: So, so they never did with us. They never did with Massachusetts. Really? Yeah, they just they just ended the shutdown. Oh, yeah. so gotcha. We never, we never got declared um, essential, which is bad mistake
1: so one of the other sort of issues with massachusetts is is relatively new it's the strict uh, microbe testing policies um
2: can you tell us more about that and and how it's affecting you as a cultivator so i'm trying to understand more of the science so i'm not sounding ignorant but from what i got is they're testing all microbes um not just bad ones like chlorophyll or or all the other bad ones, yeast mold. Um even even to that point, they're not testing things in the way like they have a total bile test that if you consume it, what happens in your gut? But you nobody takes raw flour and eats it. You know what I mean? They're yeah, unless you're trying to get away from the cops, which we're not worried about anymore. So it doesn't make sense to test for certain things if you're not using it in that fashion. If I can then turn around and make it combustible, you know what I mean? Which gets rid of everything that wouldn't get rid of if it wasn't combustible. It just, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. So, and then we can't, you know, you're, you're going to take a lot of, so for me, I was one of the trash talkers of the industry, like, man, My Massachusetts weed is terrible. I understand it now because you're, you can't, you know, you're growing soil. You got fans everywhere. You're kicking on microbes. You know what I mean? You land on your plant. You fell a micro test. You just, you just lost, you know, 75% of 80% of the value of your product just by a micro, you know what I mean? Landing on your plant. And then they breed and, you know, so you can't do, you can't foil this spray as often as you want to. You can't, you can't really treat. It, it's just, it, it's making us grow super sterile. And I don't, where's the study saying it has to be this way. You know what I mean? I listened to one of your podcasts um, about the guys with the edibles out Colorado. And I totally disagree with everything he's saying. You get know what I mean? He, he should be talking about medical. And if he is, then I agree with him. Medical should be strict. Let it have nutritional values. Let's test the hell out of it for medical patients, but I can go get a bottle of tequila and I don't know what's in it. It's no, it's no nutritional fat. And I've, I've, you know, done the studies. People die a lot, thousands of thousands every single week in America from drinking. You get what I mean? We're we're not even talking about the cancers it produces. We're just talking about strictly, you know, drunk drivers. So Why can I do, why can I destroy my body with liquor? I haven't even touched on tobacco, but with liquor, if I can't destroy it with marijuana, when we've been smoking uh, untreated weed for for hundreds and hundreds of years, and ain't nobody died from it yet. So where's the evidence that me smoking moldy weed ain't gonna do nothing but make me cough too much and I'm gonna hate it? Where is the examples that heavy metals are gonna make me sick? If it never has done it, if you are a patient, I think you should go to the medical side, go get your car. If you have to give up your guns because of that, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? If you do not, if, if you don't care about that, we should have a market that is called recreational, adult use, I'm an adult, let me choose what I want. You get what I mean? Let it be up to us how we pursue it. You don't go get a pack of Marlboros like, I know the tobacco ain't got no yeast on it. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't get it. I, I just it logically doesn't make sense to me. And then all these other recreational people who don't want to go medical, they're I guess they're trying to win over regulators and new states by champion for testing and champion for this and that. I'm not for it because even THC and terpene, we don't even understand it to the point where we know this amount of TAC does this for sure, does that for sure. We don't even know that yet. So what you're doing is you're making it so that the bigger guys who can afford to massively produce and they can fail 30% of their flour and not care about it because they can send it up the chain vertically to get turned into edibles and other things, you're giving it so that little guys like me, we can't survive because we have to pass testing, you know, a, a 10 pounds for me being failed is, you know, $40,000 I lose. That's huge. You get know what I mean? That's huge when op- we're operating, repaying for everything ourselves. So, no, I don't. I think it, I think it needs to be readdressed and we need to have we need to get more. Uh, I think I, we have to make a decision. Is cannabis recreational or are we just all medical? You know what I mean? And we're all just using it for medical. Then get rid of the recreational market and and just say everything's medical. And these are the guidelines. I don't know the difference between what I have to do and what they have to do. I've been told the only difference is my tag is blue and theirs is pink. I, so I just think it's crazy, man. Yeah, it, I don't care about you know yeast and mold. If I if sometimes somebody might want to buy uh, some. You know, <laughs> i used to mold. You know what I mean. And if they can, hey, they got fifty dollars, and that used to mold get some a hundred uh oz. You know what I mean. And they want to buy it. I'm not saying visible. You know, but. A high yeast count or a high micro count. They, they come on now. We use we come from. If you start smoking in the, the early 2000s you come from some brick Mexican weed. <laughs> come on now, y'all get a little bit too fancy. <laughs> uh, I, I I miss beasters
1: to this day. I, I still miss beasters. I mean, to your point. I mean, I've been smoking weed since I was fifteen years old, but on a basically daily basis, and. I've never, I've smoked moldy weed, like literally saw the mold and said, fuck it. What else am I going to do? And I'm fine. And I was fine then. Um,
2: (laughs) You're not going to go complain to the weed guy because then you might not get the good deals anymore. So I'm going to take it this time. (laughs) uh, It
1: was was fine. It was fine. I figured it out. Um, (laughs) No, and I appreciate your candor, man. I really do. I mean, I on this show, I have a habit of complaining about overregulation, um, and so, and this is something that I never really thought about because I'm not a cultivator. You know, just the 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 onerousness of this. Um, for for you, what do you think the most pressing social equity issues are in the Massachusetts uh, industry, and what about the industry as a whole?
2: Ooh. I don't want to sound like the bad guy. I I am not a proponent of social equity. Okay. I'm not a proponent of ec- economic empire. And and it's because of why. It's not because I don't believe that this market was not built on people like me, because it was. Every governor, mayor who who championed for marijuana. Cannabis stood up and said, We're going to undo the right that da, da 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 da. We're going to make it. And they lie. They all lie because what you're doing is that you're turning around, creating something that's overregulated for people that are not like us. You get what I mean? A lot of my people who do grow, who do sell, they are not structured business people. You know what I mean? They don't know how to fill out an application of security SOPs. And then you turn around and have to have all this stuff done before you get a license. So by the time you get to that stage, you already either have to sell all your business away to another person because they know how to do a business <laughs> and all you know how to do is grow. Or all you're going to do is make edibles. Or all you know how to do is sell and they know how to get a license. So by that time you have sold your business away or you don't even operate it, you operate one portion or you become a figurehead and they tell you who your C-suite is, who all that is. I, I have my business, my, all my partners, and everybody who is C-suite, I've known for 10 plus years. I've decided to go my way to build people up because say one of them want to leave, you know, my company today, they can go start four or five businesses and they can give somebody else a viewpoint. So... I don't agree. There's a lot of social equity plans that they go and find already successful uh, minority entrepreneurs and then give them the license. That's not the way you teach. You know what I mean? I I don't agree. Uh, I I think Jay-Z said it about how teaching somebody once they're rich, once that person has already made it rich to go back and teach is impossible. You know what I mean? The people who are with me, they seen the struggles of their boss from zero to now successful. So they know everything. So even if they don't want to redo it, they can go teach it. They can go and say, hey, no, you're going to have to talk to people a certain type of way. You're going to have to. This is the woes of working with your friends. Here's the road. This is what Reggie did. If I'm successful now, I get people to support me who already are business people. Then when I'm successful, all these steps I took, I forget. You know what I mean? So. In my opinion, if we want to if we want to build the social equity and the economic empowerment, we need to find entrepreneurs like me, and you know, shout out to Elevate Cannabis out after like Shay Woon. Um, we need to find those entrepreneurs, and we need to empower those people, the people who who will sleep on their couch. I mean, there's a lot of us out there. There's Usili's and Lori, a uh, major bloom. Um, there's rebel and great barriers. I know a lot of people who are like me, who are cut from the same cloth that because of them now five or six of their friends have jobs and they go from making 30,000 to now, you know, almost at a hundred thousand because of their expertise. So no, we don't having this open portal. Yes, it does work, but look how long it take. Look how long it takes. You know, it's only in Massachusetts, two to three, two maybe social equity uh, applicants open after three years, it's only two? What sense does that mean? But it's already three general applicants open. You get what I mean? And that's us with nothing. So if you think if you take that social equity and give it to more people like me who can't qualify, you know what I mean? Let's, let's make standards. You, you have to hire so many people. We can do this. You know, it's not, I feel like that social equity stuff is too, why does it matter who lived there? I, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter who lived there. Maybe let me start the business and say, hey, the employees you hire have to live here but I'm going to do that anyway, because it doesn't make smart sense for me to ship 50 people up here and pay for the housing to have them work security guy jobs. You know what I mean? So no. Yeah, my C-suite may be from out of state, but the other 116 employees will be Massachusetts residents that get great jobs. You know what I mean? Let's come with income thresholds. You know what I mean? We can do so many different things, but it just seems like they just follow the medical market and that's just the way they wanted to go by it, and they nobody sat down and say, "Hey, how can we actually affect change?" You know, but there are businesses out there that are big um, that are doing that. You know, shout out to Careleaf, um, they're doing that. You know, I have calls with them and we talk, and they're like, "How do we do this?" And I'm like, "I, I don't believe you guys taking your money and giving it to a small business the way to go. Help me expand." You know, what I mean, then you get you get 115 people like me. You know, what I mean, that's I, I just think it's not business isn't charity number 1 and it's not for everybody to win no matter what you do no matter how much help you get business is so hard and so rare that even in a market like what even if you want to open up a bakery and you have the money for it you're not you're not guaranteed to succeed. You know what I mean? So we should have those people who can fight and get to this process that I'm at. Let's support those because those are the outliers. You know what I mean? Those are the ones who can find some way to make it. I didn't, I didn't throw my hands and say, ah, Maryland won't let me in. No, I'm like, fuck it. I'll go to Massachusetts. I'll go live on a mountain in the middle of cold you know, snow country around people who don't know me. I'll sleep in an RV if I have to. Shea Woon, same thing. He tried to go to Washington. Washington wasn't working. He went to Oregon. He built for $50 He slept in a shop, he built a shop. Those are the people in the stories that are the the ones that we need to put in there. There's multiple of us, but a lot of us are not, you know, I mean, not in that state. So I, I think we have to redo, you know, social equity. Uh, 100%. Would,
1: you, would you support, uh, I guess, maybe smaller versions of licenses, say a street dealing level license yeah. where people can continue to sort of do what they've been doing, just no longer fear
2: legal reprisal? Is that something you, you might support? I, I think I think we need to blow up every recreational market and get rid of all this license stuff, to be honest with you. I, I think you operate your business just like if I want to open up a bartender and I get my business license. You know what I mean? I didn't have to submit my security plan to the state of Maryland. You know what I mean? I didn't have to submit my financial plans to the state of Maryland. I didn't have to get my investors vetted by the state of Maryland. No, I want to start a bartender service. If I want to teach people, I have to get my curriculum passed, but that's it. You know what I mean? If you're going to grow weed, you should get a business license and then go, 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 go read. You deal with it. You find a way you find what the only thing I can still agree with. Let's get it tested. So we know what we're selling and there's not liars, but even still then, I, I mean, that that's going to phase itself out because the consumers are going to say, ah, they're selling junk. We're not, you know what I mean? Same thing with cigarettes or bad tequila. You go in there. If you go and pay $30 for a bottom shelf tequila, I can take bottom shelf tequila pour it in a glass bottle. And if I keep selling it that way, eventually I'll go out of business. You get know what I mean? That's okay. I'm fine with that. I think it should, we are America. We are a free market country. Why are we now? Why, why, when it comes to cannabis, we're just, just restricted? what This is the first prohibition that have done this. They have ended this way, and I don't understand it because there's a lot of hypocrites now. Everybody speaking, marijuana isn't a drug. It's a flower. It's this and that, and then they turn around on other. We should regulate it. Come on, you're 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 contradicting yourself. If it's not a drug, then why are we treating it like oxycodone? It shouldn't be treated that way. It should be treated like a flower. I should be able to grow it if I want to, you get know what I mean? And if, if that's the case, I, I grow my weed the way I want to, you can't tell me not to grow it. I should have to compete with Bob in his basement. You know what I mean? And that, the difference is that Bob in his basement only has enough to sell to his friend. I can grow huge. And you know what that does? It keeps me as a business, you know, level, just like when I broke into the bartender industry, I made so many events because all the other bartenders were coming from crappy service companies who who went to Fridays and like, hey, you want an extra job? We got a temp service. We'll we'll send you out to this cater. I went and rose the level of bartender so that every bartender this cater got was trained to bartend your private event at a house on a table with limited stuff. So they stopped going to the 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 temp services. I didn't sit in and say, regulate bartending. Let's have a license that's passed across the whole United States that everybody, no, we don't have to do that. You know what I mean? So we're, that's, we need to, uh, yeah. if you want to sell weed, you sell weed. I, I think it should be an open free market. Of course, it's terrible for my, doll, my bottom dollar, but I'm, I'm real. You know what I mean? I, I'm a business, per- I am a business person, but I'm real. I should have to compete with somebody who can get a tent and grow in their basement. That, that's going to make me grow better. could i i this has been fascinating
1: man like there's just not a whole lot of cultivators out there who are like yeah like the individual should be able to grow in their basement even though it's gonna you know might cost me some money the 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 fairness sort of mind that i feel like you have just based on this conversation you know people before profits man it's uh I appreciate the hell out of it. Yeah, I
2: mean, I'm a capitalist. I'm an opportunist, but I believe everything that's for me is, is already there is already given. I just have to be positive. You know, like I say, once you, I've, I've died before. So it's not, you know, I've seen a lot of money. I've, I've been successful. I don't really care about it. I don't really care to be greedy. You know what I mean? I want to do everything I want to do to help change the world. So, you you will hear different from people who just want to make this their business and they're super ambitious. So they want to be number one. And I do want to be the number one called David. I want everybody on the East coast to know who Justin Credible is, but I'm going to get there because of me. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to get there because there's this brand who can now grow me in a basement. No, like if he's that good, then I need to level up. And trust me, there's some guys that are growing in their basement that they grow, trust me, my guys don't, my guys rarely go to dispensaries. That's all I have to say. They There's some fire stuff out there coming from some kid, you know, 23 years old who got, you know, got his hands on a, you know, thousand dollar light and growing in some soil that he made and he's growing some fire. You get what I mean? And, and I think that that's, that's what makes it, you know what I mean? That's that's what makes it different. That's what makes it better. And I think he should be able to come in and say, hey, Buy my weed. I'm setting up a retail shop in a store. You get what I mean. And the same exact way, if, if I sell if I sell food, you know, what I mean, I get that it's a consumable, and that's where we have the differences. But we have a standard, and that's all. And we keep the testing, get rid of the over assess of the micro test. I think we should get tested, and that test label should go on your product, and people should know. Just like hey, if I smoke your weed and I get sick, I bring it back. I can buy molded. Bell peppers and what do you do? Safeway doesn't get fined, or, or uh, whatever you guys got up here. They don't get fined. They you bring your back your motor product. They take it and they give you more. They give you your money back. Why can't it be? Why can't cannabis be that way? I can eat salmonella chicken and then the company doesn't. Purdue doesn't get shut down. Purdue does a recall. You know, what I mean? so why can't? What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? I, that's what I don't get.
1: I I, I mean, and that's how I end up smoking moldy weed, because I just cut the mold off the pepper, right? I'm that guy. Um, (laughs) So, man, I could sit here literally and talk to you for the next like three days. um, But we can't do that. Uh, No one would listen for that long. Uh, But where can people find out more about you find out more about Just Incredible Cultivation? Yeah.
2: So we're um, our Instagram just incredible underscore cultivation. Uh, our website is jccultivation.com. Uh, my Twitter is Forbes underscores next and I think we have a JC cultivation uh, a Twitter that I have to get somebody active on we're coming. Um, we will be in stores. I know for sure we'll be in Curaleaf, we'll be in Rebel. we'll be in Elevate come 420. So we'll for sure be in stores. So look out for us, um, look out for our own, you know, we have, and I, we didn't get in touch on our strands and none of that stuff. We have our own strands. Uh, we have, you know, the Garrett Morgan gas mask, we have the Just Incredible uh, and the Fruitville Station. Um, and also we have Kobe, uh, that that will be hitting the market too. So, you know, look out for the things that we're doing. And hey, hit me up on a DM. I, I usually answer every I have I don't think I don't answer stuff. I have like an O C D of seeing a new message. So I always answer messages. Hit me up on LinkedIn, Reginald Stanfield. I, I'm there, you know, I'm saying I'm for the people. I I'm uh, elevates one of the dispensaries that I actually, uh, do
1: frequent. Oh yeah. Uh, So, so, um, I, I will definitely be on the lookout, uh, for, for your product and for your strains the next time that I make it to Massachusetts. Um, Reginald dude, this has been really great. Uh, I hope to have you on the show again. I hope that, uh, you know, you stay in touch with us, uh, and with me. Um, and you know congratulations really on on thank your you, success man. and uh i i can't wait to see
2: how <laughs> I, I, I can't <laughs> wait to see you for Forbes next right hey <laughs> i appreciate that man it was it was a pleasure i think this is one of the best podcasts i've done so far and you know i i hey, i just thank you keep doing what you're doing and keep talking to these people about the real you know the real cannabis industry and get it out there
1: he, he's not just the greatest. He's not just the best. He is CEO of Just Incredible Cultivation, uh, CEO and head horticulturist of Massachusetts-based Just Incredible Cultivation. For for the wrestling marks, they'll know the, the, the not just the greatest, not just the best line. Anyway, the first minority owned general business applicant to open a grow facility on the East Coast. Thanks again, man. I, I really can't wait to, to see how you grow. No pun <laughs> intended.
2: All right, man. Appreciate
1: you. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com on Spotify and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Trim Media.
2: How...